there, nerds, and welcome to Go To There, the traditionally 30 Rock podcast. The weekly chronological journey through 30 Rock, looking at the jokes, the references, the highs, the lows, and all of the blurbs that come with one of the best shows of the 21st century. As always, I'm your host, Curtis Stone, and joining me is... David Amick. And today, we're going to do something a little bit differently. Uh, we're not going to talk so much about 30 Rock as we're going to talk about our favorite shows of the decade. Uh, it's a special bonus episode. It's a special bonus episode to round out the new year and to just celebrate the end of 2019 and the, the roughly 10-year span of just fantastic TV uh, that we both enjoy. So you want to elaborate a little bit more on what this ep- special episode entails? We're going to be talking about the shows we liked for our top shows okay, of the past decade. but I mean, decade. do we have like a rule or rubric measuring of... of what what made okay. the list or anything yeah, so since this is our last episode of the year and i guess last episode of the decade we wanted to go over our favorite shows of the past 10 years and it's been really interesting obviously like every media outlet that writes about tv in some capacity has been putting lists together and it's been interesting like seeing the methodology i guess you'll be using because it's, it's since i guess obviously since tv shows run over the course of multiple years if well if they're not canceled after one season or a limited series um it it makes it harder just to say like it's easier obviously for things like movies and music and stuff to say okay this is this is from this decade so it's interesting because i've heard i've seen everything from if it's aired at all in this decade it's fair game to if it has aired any episodes prior to this decade it doesn't count disqualify which to me is the worst take because I mean, there are especially, I would say, three big shows, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, and 30 Rock, that have that appear at the top of a lot of lists that basically can then, if, if, you're, if your logic is, if it's aired any episodes prior to this decade, it's ineligible. I mean, you're leaving out a lot of... Because, I mean, 30 Rock, I guess, aired three and a half seasons. I mean, really, the, de- the turn of the decade fell literally right in the middle of 30 Rock's running because it aired three and a half seasons before this decade and three and a half half seasons as part of this decade. But for shows like Mad Men and Breaking Bad, it was only mm-hmm. a, it, it wasn't as many. Se- you know, like the, the the bulk of their runs were this decade. So, I, I that's why I don't know. To me, like that's like the weirdest logic. Like, <laughs> basically, the way I've taken it is. If it has aired a meaningful amount of episodes in this decade, and like this, the parts that did air were good enough, I guess. Because like, there's a show like, oh, sorry, what? No, no, go ahead. Um, I'll wait till because like, there's a show like Friday Night Lights, which technically aired like its last season. I think it's its last, like it ended in February 2011, so technically it aired this decade. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was good throughout its run, but it was like it was just the last season. So like, I, I think of that mostly as a previous decade show, where as 30 Rock, like. I mean, you know, the third and fourth season, and I mean, well, the whole thing was good, but yeah. like, I mean, it aired a significant amount this decade, and like a a in terms of quality, you know, it was still high quality. So that's like that's why I would consider it eligible personally. But yeah, no, um, yeah, I think we weren't looking necessarily maybe at the same websites, but there were some people, that, the, some of the websites I was looking at, just as like compendiums of like man they were a little too harsh or maybe they were a little too lenient on what they considered a show of the decade but i mean if you it it also depends like did you discover the show this decade then to me it's like i'd say that counts i mean i i'd say play fast and i say fast and loose is fine honestly because i mean i discovered one of my favorite shows 
um, is technically of this decade, but I literally didn't discover it until uh, last year. Oh, that's, and, that was also this decade. Well, no, but I'm saying like, I mean, it aired this decade, but I didn't discover it until almost the right. end of the decade. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, do you count that? Mm, you know, it did, it did. But I mean, like, it's just, it, it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Same as award show, it doesn't matter. Well, yeah. I mean, also, I didn't start watching 30 Rock until like 2009. Right. So, so I mean, I think, decade, it, yeah. yeah, which which is like obviously the very end of the previous decade. So, all right, do you all right? So, do you want to do one at a time, like you name a show, I name a show, or do you want to run your whole list down? No, let, mine, yeah, or? let's go in time. Well, so so going into it, so coming into this, my goal was to basically narrow down to roughly a top ten list. So when mm. I was going through. I saw the, I came up with a long list of probably like 30 or 40 shows and like in narrowing down to 10 like I couldn't basically I found a line that there were 13 shows I could pull out and say like okay like these 13 shows like I can appreciably say like there's a line between these 13 and the rest of things on my list so I couldn't get it quite down to 10 but I have it down to 13 so I don't know how, how many do you have on yours uh well for American shows I have 16 which I can I could pull one or two out the non-American I mean, shows, it's about 20? It's a, it's a little bit more. Okay. Well, my shows are all... Well, I won't say they're all American shows because they're not necessarily American, but they're not, none of them are anime. So well, I'm for the anime well, and niche choices, you can just run through those real quick. I will, you want me to do that now? I or mean... Later. Because right, let's start with, let's start with the traditional. Okay. And then we'll, I'll explain my logic later. Okay, so for mine, I have them... And are they in any particular order? I was going to say, so that's what I was just about to say. Okay. I have mine out in alphabetical order because ranking them, it, that would be too difficult to do. It would be do. a lot of time. So, yeah. yeah, so I have them in alphabetical order, but I am going to save my top show of the decade for last. So spoiler alert, it's Mad Men. It is actually no, it's not. Although that would probably be anyway. Darn. Anyway, first off, so alphabetically, we're starting with numbers. So Thirty Rock is the first one on okay. my list. Um, uh, that's on my which, list too. Yeah, um, of course. Uh, and mine is no particular order. Mine was just sort of, uh, sort of just like what popped in my head. And if it popped in my head, I looked it up to see when it came out, and I was like, all right, it made the cut. So my first uh, was Archer. Um, which I I'm, I'm like three or four seasons behind because like once it started going almost uh, anthology where each season mm-hmm. was a very specific like yeah. noir or World War Two or something like that um, I I haven't paid I haven't kept up but I mean uh, I was into Archer because I really love Frisky Dingo which was the creator's first show and then they went on to make Archer and it sort of it pulled a lot from what Frisky Dingo was so I just have an attachment to Archer also he's the namesake of our dog um but no i think it's it's a super super tight super tight written shows um and it's yeah it's solid it's a solid animated like crime spoof spy spoof yeah solid yeah i'm i'm a couple seasons behind too but it's all on hulu so i figure i'll catch up did the noir i think that's when i talked about i I didn't i didn't keep watching into that so I think I'm three or four seasons more. Yeah, but I'll, I'll catch up. Yeah. Then. Also, I think the most recent seasons have like fewer. Like they're only. I think. Well, I want to say eight or two. Like they're not the full thirteen. Like I think. Yeah, they're I think they, I think they went to too, ten. I think. So. Yeah. No, solid, there. solid yeah. show. Yeah. 
Uh, so next up, I think this one is probably on your list too, but on Netflix, BoJack Horseman. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. And my hot take about BoJack Horseman is that it was never bad, even the first half of the first season, which people like to say. Who is saying it's bad? Look, oh my gosh. Lots of people say that BoJack doesn't get good until towards the end of its first season, but I liked it from the beginning. But I'm also predisposed to like Hollywood satires, so. I think, I think, the, people, the, I think the people watching or saying that hadn't watched a show like BoJack they didn't they didn't expect a cartoon to be what BoJack was saying and doing well right but there wasn't that something that satirical black comedy in that sort of shell before so I think people weren't ready for it no I mean I get it because the first half of its first season is more Hollywood satire than the deeper themes it gets into and so if you're not predisposed to find that particularly interesting then That's, that's why, cool. but I mean, but I mean, that's definitely a thing that BoJack the Horseman doesn't get good until later in the mm-hmm. first season. Like lot, I mean, that's like people I say that all the time. I guess that's fair. Yeah. But I would disagree, but yeah, I guess I'm coming at it from a different viewpoint, so that's fair. I mean, I, I'm still bummed that the underwater episode did not win an Emmy. That should that was an award. Yeah. I mean, again, awards well, don't matter, but yeah. since we since we live in a world that they do, that episode should have won an Emmy. Uh, and the one line that. I still think about to this day. I think it was from season two. It was when Lisa Kudrow was on the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was playing the owl, and she has a line of, "Well, I guess when you look at the world through rose-tinted glasses, you don't see all the red flags that someone is offering." And like that line still fucks me up. That's such a great line that it's like, oh my god! Like I still go back and listen to that line every now and again. I'm like, yeah. that's damn like why has no one written that before like or why was that never expressed more like i don't know it's like it's such a great line that go watch bojack if you haven't already and speaking of lisa kudrow really quick i do want to call this out because so i think a show that everyone apparently forgot was on this decade was the second season of the comeback Mm -hmm. and i'm saying now because we're we're watching back through the first season now and it's so it's so it's, good yeah, and the really second is. season and the second season is amazing yeah. and when I was going through, like the way I built my list was by reading just like reading like dozens of lists across the internet to just get a memory of things that aired this decade and like I haven't seen the comeback anywhere and like it didn't, I think people forgot that and, it came out this decade totally, and, and yeah. probably because the first season came out in 2005 the second mm-hmm. season didn't come out until 2014 yeah. so there was a huge gap like it was a, like it was a little show like the ratings were you know, not great. So it wasn't like watched by a ton of people, but it's so good. Yeah. And I didn't even realize it until a couple of days ago. So it's not. So I, well, I was thinking about should I, should I shove it in my list and make it 14? But it's, I haven't watched the second season since it literally came out. So yeah. I have a feeling when we rewatch it, I'll be yeah. like, oh, so the comeback is an asterisk, could be on this list, but it's, it's such a good show and no one's mentioning it. So yeah. No, since I, you talk about Lisa Kudrow, I just wanted to call it no, out. No, it's really fair. Quickly. Absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah. no, we, we just, re, we just started watching you, you're rewatching it. I'm watching it for the first time and yeah. it, I remember so I was working in the movie theater when that was when that was first coming out and there were ads running for it I was like oh my god this looks insufferable because like I hadn't really watched Friends so I didn't have an attachment to Lisa Kudrow but she's the best Friends character um, and I was just like this is insufferable because it's a reality show I didn't know it was faux reality I was so naive oh. and ignorant that I was just like oh, and I was so and I don't like reality now and I'm and at that time like reality was everywhere and I didn't get it and I don't think a lot of people got what it is yeah it was so ahead of its time it was the office before the office was a thing and if it were around now it wouldn't be two seasons it would probably be six or seven depending on it's HBO so it might not have well, been that long but it I, just I was, it was sorry. so ahead of its time yeah. and it was so smart and so 
just perfect for what it is and it's just like I hate that I slept on it for 15 years like it's it's a shame yeah I kind of kicked myself for it I would kind of argue like it's almost because it's only two shows like it's almost perfect like because it's it's very smart and encapsulating exactly what it's it's mm-hmm. it's parroting because the first season it came out in the height of the reality show boom yeah. so that's what it's like parroting its second season came out in the thick of the whole like girls louie like mm. self-referential comedy phase so it's like the so the second season this is a spoiler but basically it's a it's a it's a it's pairing that whole dark comedy genre mm. so the show that she's doing is a dark comedy that is extremely meta like it is the most like it's it's like several layers of meta that relates back to the first it's so good yeah but anyway yeah um, no i'm excited to to, to, the only thing that i don't like about it is she says you know she says that oh yeah literally 30 times an episode and it's so grating to me it's like because that's her nervous thing and like she doesn't want to say like she doesn't want to ruffle anybody but at the same time she's trying to get her point across so she's like you know yeah you know <laughs> you know and so you know if you just rewrite the line you know just you know, and it's just like oh my god well it's it, it's perfect because that's yeah. what it's trying to evoke it's trying to evoke that just like cringy like realness but when you just i guess when you're watching it back to back to back to back you just notice it so much that it's yeah. just like oh my god could she learn like another word it's just <laughs> it just it grates on me it's not it doesn't destroy the show it's still a very watchable enjoyable show but it's just like mm, it's still still hits me or it still hurts me when I hear it because it's just like oh my god I hate this why yeah. do you have to say it so much <laughs> yeah and come back to HBO do you yeah. want to go to your next uh yes uh Ma- I think it might be on your list Master of None it is it is and it's that one is that if I had to I don't want to cut it from the list but I would because it's only been two seasons two really strong seasons but it's only been two seasons and it's seemingly maybe maybe not coming back anytime soon so it'd be like i i could cut it from the list but i think it's an important show because it is in that louis girls vibe of sort of self-referential biopic kind of story of like a day in the life of aziz ansari um storytelling but it's just really solid storytelling he's got a really he's got a good cast of uh characters and he's just got a good group of writers that are helping write his stories that they're really entertaining like there was the thanksgiving episode that was the award-winning episode right Mm -hmm. um there was the woody allen episode where it's just a day in the life of new york so it's like the the story's just transitioning from one to the next like that was it's, it's just really good storytelling and it's mostly standalone stories sort of like broad city but uh, a little bit more introspective than comedic yeah so yeah yeah no it's really good it's so like i don't know how to say this in a nice way but like considering like how bad some of the acting is on it like it's amazing like how good of a show it still is because like i mean aziz ansari is a good actor but i mean there's some of the there are some of the guest roles and other roles or people yeah. like they're just not very strong actors but somehow like despite that the writing it like just the writing and storytelling is so strong that it's it. still like it's i still like it's i mean for me like even though it's only two seasons like that wasn't like that wasn't a question like it's still yeah. strongly like on i think it, i think the it's the same as like the um the comeback or no another show we were talking about where the acting it feels real because that's what it's trying to evoke. It's trying to evoke a realness. It's trying. I mean, some to, of it is. Like, I mean, I mean, like m- most of the acting is good. There are just a yeah. few roles that are like it's not 
Yeah, just in my opinion, not. <laughs> I need to go back. I, it's been a well, it's been a couple years since the last season ended, yeah. or the second season. I hope it's not the last season, but if I don't it is, think it so. Is, I feel like it'll it'll come back. I think he said something about it in his latest stand-up special. Yeah. He's like, I know Master Dunn, I'm working on it, but I got to get material before I I really want to make more of it. I don't want to just shit it out. I want to make sure I have more material to make it better, like make the content good. So I think it'll. If we, uh, I'd be surprised if we didn't get it by the end of next year. But um, if that is the case, we need to start seeing stuff for it now. Um, so it might not be till twenty twenty one that we get more Master of None. Yeah. But I hope not. I hope it comes back sooner rather than later. What you got on your list? So next up is another small HBO show. I found out I was compiling this like HBO is like is just about half of my list and like it's a, I'll be very interested to see now that HBO Max and me think how that changes because in even I, in my list for this year 2019 like it was dominated by HBO and Netflix mm-hmm. like Netflix and HBO made like seven or eight of my top ten so but I'm curious now to see like I mean so it's interesting to see how Netflix has become a force in the last few years in terms of quality as well as quantity but it'll be interesting to like HBO I mean still there are plenty of quality shows but I wonder if it'll now that you know they're owned by AT&T, Warner Media, yada yada, whatever, that they'll go in search of so much that they'll lose some of that classic like prestige. Yeah, so we'll see. So I, I guess I'll just be interested to see. Anyway, the next show on my list is a small comedy from towards the beginning of this decade, Enlightened, starring Laura Dern. Um, and this is one I've actually surprised. Like I thought this was one of those shows that would be forgotten, but it, I've seen it pop up on a lot of lists. Um, it is. It was ahead of its time in a way, in that it was sort of a dark cringe comedy. Laura Dern's character. The, the basic premise is Laura Dern is a high up executive in like a major corporation, and one day, like, so she's having an affair with her boss, kind of things breakdown. All of a sudden, one day, she has this massive nervous breakdown and gets carted off to like a wellness, not like not like not like drug rehab, but like a wellness holistic facility. Yeah. So she comes out of it and it's basically her acclimating back into her life and trying to get her old job back. And the things it's like she's still an intense person and now it's her character is extremely complex in that now now that she's come out from her retreat or her rehab or whatever you want to call it like her whole thing is she wants to do good like it, it's it's kind of into being sort of a parody of the whole wellness thing that was to come like the whole Gwyneth Paltrow style thing but she doesn't become like that kind of personality she wants to go back to her job but now her thing is you know green and being sustainable but it's like before where she was maybe an annoying person like now she's still an annoying person but like she, she it's in it's in the service of good things yeah. but she's still very pushy and insecure and wants to point to get across so the the first season is Killing kind of with kindness. Yeah, so the the first season is kind of a messy th- exploration of her trying to acclimate her old life. The second season is all about revenge. Like she's discovered the company, major corporation, is doing a bad thing, and she just wants to bring them down. Get them, Laura Dern. But it's like, but it's great because like Jedi. it was one of the first shows that was really like a, just a very complicated, like not necessarily quote unquote likable because a lot of times her goals are you know. Um, altruistic or you know she has she has goals that are the good but sometimes the reason she wants to accomplish them is because 
you know, she just wants to, she, she's harboring a little chip and she wants to get back. So, you know, her methods can be annoying and, you know, she's not necessarily the nicest or whatever person. But. Yeah, but she also, like, she wants to get things done. She understands you can't be a friend to everybody. So it's like, sometimes yeah. you got to But at the same time, she still worries about everyone thinks about her right. and wants her to like her. So, like, it just, it's so good. It was a little bit ahead of its time in the whole, like, I mean, that was the start of the wave of the shows with, like, quote unquote, like, complicated, you know, mm. female cable characters or whatever. But, it was t- it tackled a lot of themes just in terms of I think the political and social environments that have really I mean you know there was a strong like capitalist critique that I don't think that has definitely become more prevalent in media the past couple of years but wasn't it there weren't that many shows re- re- really doing it back then so it's such a good show it's only two seasons because the ratings were not very hot so and I think it's it's Ooh, a, I know what your number one is and um well we'll find out. Um, I, well, anyway, um, also in like both seasons of Enlightened are on Amazon Prime because I, it looks like the tipping point was about 2014 and both mm-hmm. of Enlightened season I aired prior to that. So there's a deal for all the, sh- for a lot of the shows prior to that are on Amazon Prime. So it's HBO, but it's also on, all on Amazon Prime right now. Oh, so. and the first season of The Comeback is on Amazon Prime. The second season is not, uh, but if you have HBO, it's all there. So, sorry. yes, I just wanted to get that out there. Yeah. Um, so next show for me, um, well then I'm going to do two cause they're, okay. they're pretty brief. Uh, one is looking, oh, that's um, on my list. And I think, I think that shows an important show because of it's, it's, it's a very trite thing to say it was gay sex in the city, but that's the easiest way to describe what that show is. But, um, it was just. It was a charming show. It was a look in the life of, what, three friends? Three or four? Three or four, three friends. Well, th- th- yeah, th- three, three main. And then the, and the, and more in the first season, there was one who was dating one of them, so it was yeah. more of a cast of four, but he wasn't as much in the second season. Yeah, um, but three or four, depending on how you look at it, gay uh, characters in San Francisco just, like, living their lives. And the, wa- not not wacky, but the real-life uh, situations that they would, they would um, get into. Uh, the main character, Pat. Yes. Yes. Uh, he also had an interesting character role in that he was a video game designer, which is very rare to see on TV, much less a gay video a gay video game character. A, v, a gay video game designer is not world-breaking. There's tons of people that make video games that are gay or lesbian or under that whole flag. But to see uh, a main character... Um, in that role and also being like a nerdy geeky kind of protagonist is is rare so i think that was refreshing in that that it wasn't like a sex craze carry of sex in the city he was just, which i guess you would say she was kind of nerdy she was like a journal no, she was just a blogger right all right i mean she, she, she yeah. was a writer so that's that's less geeky or nerdy than a video game designer but um i just thought it was a, it was a refreshing look at uh just it wasn't a super flamboyant Will and Grace portrayal of gay characters on TV, even though it was HBO, so it was prestige television. But uh, I just thought it was a solid look at that lifestyle that a lot of people probably still had premonitions about. So, yeah. And then my second one would be Party Down. And Party Down barely makes the cut because it was a 2009-2010. So it's on the cusp. So again, if I, had half to, and half. if I had to cut a show from the list, it would be Party Down. But Party Down is another solid, just in that same vein of cringy, um, narrow duels. Like, they're just, everything resets at the end of the episode. 
and they just it cycles next episode is going to be them just getting into another antic and then trying to get out of it um everyone's selfish everyone's a bad person for the most part and it it's just them trying they're all they're all actors or they're all trying to be at working actors they work at catering uh, they work a catering company and they just hop from venue to venue um catering parties while they're trying to get their acting lives and careers off the ground uh, but it's just it's a it's uh it's a it's up there with like the league or almost always sunny where it's just not great people doing not great things selfishly so it's not a show for everyone but it's just solid comedy yeah i do want to say about looking um i think that one was partially a victim of since there's so it's well i would say especially back then it was only five years ago but really back then there were many fewer shows like featuring a lot of LGBT, mm-hmm. Q, etc. main characters content. So it fell to the victim of so many people saying like, well, this doesn't represent me. So because, because obviously when it's hard for any one show to necessarily represent large... Well, the, yeah. I guess the point is looking was a small comedy, looking at like a small specific reference. And like, yes, it was like very white and privileged. So, I mean, that's definitely a, a, a fair critique, but I don't think you can say because of that it wasn't good. Like it's, yeah. it, I, I feel like shows about minorities all the time run into well, this isn't my situation, so why I, I can't relate. Really, you know, it's like, yeah. like yes, it's true these characters were privileged, so it's definitely it's by no means everyone's story. Experience, but for right. what it was as a show, like it was, I mean, it was very well written and well done. Mm-hmm. So agreed, easily on my list. Yeah, um, and yeah. party, yeah, and party down my like too. It didn't make my list, but it's a show that I like yeah. a lot as well. Um, next up is, for me, is Amazon's Fleabag. Um, Nothing which, from Amazon made the cut for me. <laughs> this is, uh, this is probably the, yes, this is the, no, I'm sorry, Transparent did make my long list. Right. Um, but in terms of my top, yes, this is the only show from Amazon on my, in, in my, my top group. Um, Fleabag, which, if you would have asked me, like, Eight months ago, I would have said it was an extremely underrated comedy, but somehow, in the, somehow in the last year, like the first season went totally under the radar. Somehow, the second season just exploded, and obviously, it won all the Emmys. So it's not not a it won all the small, awards. That means it's the best show. Well, it, what was Fleabag is would definitely be near the very top of my 2019 shows, and it's on my list of the best shows of the decade. I mean, it's so good. It's so it's like it's another show that's pretty short. It's only two six episode seasons, and it's a show that actually like justifies its length and is perfect because of its length. Like I feel like in the streaming area era, a lot of shows have moved towards the model of smaller six or eight episode seasons, mm-hmm. and sometimes it doesn't feel like enough. Like Fleabag is definitely a show that perfectly fit a total a, a, a narrative arc. It totally worked with a full satisfying narrative arc into six episodes. So well, that's just good writing. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know no, I mean, it's probably from. like, I, I would say like, it's in terms of just pure writing, it is probably the best written show of the decade, in my opinion. Um, High praise. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it's, it's, it's super tight. Like, I mean, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is an amazing writer. I mean, it, it it's a perfect blend of comedy and just, uh, some drama but not like that dark drama um i mean you know there 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 are moments of grief but it's not like super heavy um but just i mean moments i, I don't know it's just a really good show um 
I guess for anyone who hasn't, who isn't aware of it, basically, the, I mean, the, it, it's not one of the shows that's heavy on plot. Basically, it's a, it's a young, you know, 30-something woman who lives in London and in the first season is working through grief, basically through sex and relationships. And she's messy and it's just, you know, a slice of life, her going through life and being sort of damaged and whatever. So, but anyway, that's Fleabag. No, I mean, I, I, I've heard you talk about it before and... I've heard all the praise for it. It's just when I look at like the summaries and the synopsis, I'm like, eh, that's just not a show for me. I don't necessarily do too many slice of life kind of series. It's just I'm, I'm getting better because like part like Master of None is kind of mm-hmm. a slice of life, things like that. But like, there's a comedic element to it. Not to say that Fleabag's not funny, but it seems like it airs more on drama than it airs in comedy. I mean, I don't know. Or there's a lot like, of comedy. there's a lot of like like actual like comedy laugh moments. Not just like dark comedy like oh that was witty you know like it like mm-hmm. actual like laugh moments mm-hmm. and, i mean it has an amazing like olivia coleman's in it um uh, uh i can't think of anyone else's name but it, i mean it, it it has like a, it, it's a definitely a stacked cast mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah um i'm gonna start i think we're, we're running a bit longer than i no i mean I, it's fine uh it's just uh, I'm, we're about halfway through our lists, and I've got a, a, a number of things I want to say after. So oh, okay. uh, I'm going to start doing off three, and if you want me to expand on them, or okay. if we can talk about them, we can. Uh, Parks and Recreation made my list. Uh, Broad City made my list. And Atlanta made my yeah, list. Those are all my long lists. Okay. Atlanta is is the same as like Party Down or Master None. Like If I had to cut one, I could cut Atlanta again because it's only been two seasons. We're gonna get a third season eventually, but it's 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 so young that it's like all right, I I, I could pull it off the list, but I think because it's the same against just sort of antithesis of what I was saying about slice of life, it's a slice of life about Atlanta living modern age, uh, you know, up and coming rappers and producers. Um, but there's just a charm about it that Donald Glover and um, Lakeith. Like he's Sanfield. Sanfield and the guy that plays Oh, Paperboy. Paperboy. Um, oh my he, gosh. He was in The Joker. Yes, um, he was he, he was in I mean he was he's been, he's been in a ton of things. things. He's been in a ton of things. He was in yeah. into the Spider-Verse Widows anyway. Yeah. Um, I but no, it's just the, that that trio of friends yeah. just like living and existing in Atlanta. It's just it's it's a lot of fun. And then they they sort of do what Master of None was doing where they just take risks some episodes or like bottle episodes or some episodes are about one like one episode was all about Paperboy just like his day like him just trying to get to the barbershop and get home was just this whole ordeal like he finally made it and then I think he either like he didn't have his money he didn't have there was some reason like he finally made it to the barbershop and then he had to leave or something I can't exactly remember it's been a little while but like it's it's just it's a charming show that pulls you in with its great characters and its fun writing. Like it's simplistic in its ideas, but its delivery and its its final product is so super solid all around. So those are my three. I don't think we necessarily need to say so much about Parks and Rec. It's sort of up there with Thirty Rock. You know, yeah. it's 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 a show that's been on, uh, or that its legacy lives it's on. It's a show that's been on. It's a, it, well, I'm not wrong. It's a fact. <laughs> Uh, but no, I mean, it's a show that, like, it's likely to have gone through gifts and memes and stuff. So, like, I don't need to say too much about that. Same with Broad City. Broad City was a show that it ran five years, which I think is commendable. Like, I don't think it needed more or less than that. It, yeah, it, it told its complete story it and, and it, it, it was canceled, but it got to tell its complete tale uh, throughout those five years. And 
tons of great uh, guest stars and just up and coming comedic actors getting to shine for an episode or two. It's that they use their craft to help promote new fa- new faces as well as themselves, and that's for a comedy show for that. Like I, I, I appreciate something like that of just giving your friends like you you got the outlet to tell your story and you're not only hog you're not hogging the spotlight you're sharing it so with all the comedic friends that you're also trying to get on your same level or maybe even launch them to something new you're giving them an avenue to help showcase their craft and that's that's super awesome and i thought brad city did a great job with that yep those are all shows i liked a lot that didn't quite make my top top 13 but they were all in my long list because they yeah, yeah. actually like a lot so actually the, the next three shows i have alphabetically were all 30 minute hbo comedies so i'll just lump them all together first one was another small comedy getting on which starred alex mm-hmm. borstein niecy nash and laurie metcalf and basically it's it's an adaptation of a british dark comedy about nurses and doctors in basically an elderly ward like a geriatric yeah. ward i guess what you call it uh, I, I mean, a very, like, a, a true dark comedy in that there are a lot of pure comedy laugh-out-loud moments, but a lot of the moments, it takes again, it takes place in a, in a geriatric ward, so, I mean, that can be sometimes a sad and depressing place, yeah. but they make comedy out of it. I mean, Niecy Nash gives one of the acting performances of the decade, I think. Like, I, I mean, it's a comedic so role. Good. It's a comedic role, but it's more, it's still more dramatic than a lot of the other roles she's had because it's not, she has a lot. It's a very meaty role and she's just so good in it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I would recommend it almost just for that. But Alex Borstein plays this hilarious, like, cartoon character. It's, it's, I mean, it's great. Like, her character is almost cartoonish as her character in the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but it in the, it's cartoon, it's equally cartoonish, but it's a totally different type of character. Mm-hmm. Like her character in Maisel is kind of like very like masculine, whatever. Her mm-hmm. character in in Getting On is just more like a you know nurse nurse character who's a little bit awkward and oddball. Mm-hmm. So she's so good. So highly recommend that. And Laurie Metcalf, of course, is always fantastic. So really good show. Um, next uh, after that is the show by your favorite creator of this decade girls uh, <laughs> which lena i mean yes lena dunham, dunham has her faults and maybe even many faults but <laughs> the point is girls is a show that maybe generated more think pieces than viewers had ever had but it was i i think underappreciated as a really sharp millennial satire like i think a lot of people like that was like oh all these characters are off yada yada they're so bad I don't like them like but that's the point like the whole point is I mean it it, it, it is a satire of oh millennials are so selfish and over and the top and ridiculous yeah. and and became right exactly and the characters are supposed to be unlikable and selfish and the writing is so sharp in depicting them that way because like the, when the show came on, there there was a trailer for the first season that like is a clip for, of Lena Dunham's character saying, "I could be the voice of my generation," and like the trailers played it, and I think people took it as like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this is a show like about this girl, and she's the best, and she's so smart." But in context, like it actually is like her like desperately trying to convince her parents why they should support her while she wants to be a writer, because the full mm-hmm. line is, "I could be the voice of my generation," or a voice of a generation and it's like it's kind of like actually mm-hmm. showing her to be kind of i mean her the character is sort of a sad sack like it's she's not yeah. really glorified at all i mean she's supposed to i mean the character is supposed to be sort of smart i mean you know she wants to be a writer in new york so you can't succeed in that career and be like stupid but the point is like she you know she is like not necessarily very self-aware and she can be dumb and 
I mean, that the, the show really makes fun of those characters a lot. So I, I, I think it's really underappreciated for how smart the writing is. Um, and after that, I have a show that started as a web series on Vimeo, but HBO picked up High Maintenance, um, which if for anyone who liked that New York I Love You episode of Master of None, mm-hmm. like that's literally the entire series of High Maintenance. Mm-hmm. Like the, the thing stringing together is this guy who's basically a weed dealer, and oh. every episode is him making oh, a delivery. The, oh, no, I'm thinking of something else. I was thinking of the movie with Josh Peck, but because he's... Oh. It's never mind. I don't know. Well, this show is basically the the weed dealer is basically making a delivery to some person or some group of people, and each episode is basically like a short. I want to say a short film because they're like all thirty minutes or under, but like basically a short piece about that character or those characters' situation. And the more recent seasons have leaned into giving the he's just called the dealer. Or the, I, I think, anyway, just get, giving him more, more plot. Like in, in the web series, especially, like he would make his appearances were often really brief and they flesh out the character more as it's transitioned to a series on HBO. But it, it's one of those series where like the web series itself is really strong. The first season on HBO took some time to find its footing, but since then, it's, it's been really solid on there as well. So it's another just like really smart. So he's basically just, he's just a plot starting line so exactly it's like who, play a pool, who is he selling to yeah. this episode yeah, yeah. and That's, like you know, so it's like okay yeah and i mean it, it, it's it's super diverse and because obviously it takes place in new york city but it's like not one of the shows that takes place in new york but all the characters are white like <laughs> girls um it's a show that actually like because i mean because he's making delivery like you can reach a wide swath of i mean he delivers to you know rich bankers mm-hmm. and you know people who live in really crappy apartments mm-hmm. and different uh, boroughs so you know obviously there's all sorts of different types of races and ethnicities and yada yada religion yada 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 so it does a really good job of showcasing all just like all sorts of people and stories so mm, sounds very fun. good another another show that very good writing yeah. Yeah. uh all right so my next three uh again there's a couple. One's definitely a huge stretch. Uh, another one I could cut off just because it's kind of a standalone. Uh, and the third one, I feel like I don't need to say anything about it, but I need to say why it's on my list. Is first is Breaking Bad. Um, I mean, arguably, it sort of kickstarted that whole anti-hero, or not even anti-hero, because he ultimately, spoiler alert, he becomes the villain. It's this whole arc of him becoming a villain becoming a monster um it's i don't need to say i mean it's 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 the same show that's on the level of the wire that's the question you haven't seen breaking bad it's the same question we were asking 10 years ago you haven't seen the wire it's it's that level of prestige i I don't need to say anything else about it Uh, my second one is chernobyl um i think this series again it's, it's one i could cut off the list because it's pretty much a standalone it's one season it's not going to get anything more but if the creators that created this go on to create something else it's going to be on my radar i'm going to have to like let me see what they're talking about but chernobyl stood out because it was talking about a subject matter that i liked as a kid i liked reading about chernobyl but we didn't have that much information on it this did such a deep dive into the history and then learning that russia was so scared of being seen as weak that they would literally basically wipe a city off the planet to 
to hide their weakness because they just needed to be seen strong as a country. It just it was so it was such an eye opening show for that that I I can't I, it was it was a it was a great surprise of this year. Like once Game of Thrones was over, going into Chernobyl was such a a uh, an interesting uh, change of pace of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and lastly, and this one again, I could strike it from the record because it's kind of a stretch, but uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Technically, it started in 2000, but it ran until 2015 just because of production schedules and all of that. But it ran half the decades. I'm going to say it counts, um, but I mean, it's probably my favorite uh, animated show behind The Simpsons in terms of just being super irreverent. Uh, it everything resets at the very end. Um, there's no real overarching story. It's just it's a a box of fries, a wad of meat, and a milkshake, living in Jersey, and that's it. Like that's the show. And, and if you if that doesn't entice you, I don't know what else will. There's not much else I can say about this show, except that it's just super sharp, uh, just super super fun writing. Uh, I mean. Dana Snyder has become one of my favorite voice actors just because he has such a distinct voice and a style of sarcasm and dry wit that uh, I just love it so much. So I'm going to say that counts. Uh, If you can argue why it doesn't, I'm not going to listen. (laughs) I mean, from what I've seen of it, it looks good. Uh, Chernobyl is only five episodes, right? Uh, Five or six. I think five. Yeah, I haven't haven't, seen that. But I meant to get to it before HBO lapsed this, but I didn't. So I'll get to it eventually. Um, what, what, was that all of your list? Um, I can. More? There's. Well, I have three. Few well, more. I have four more. Three, three more. I plus my number one. Okay, okay perfect. So okay. we'll run them out real quick. Okay. So okay. Well, I this one is different from the rest. So I'll pull out now. Um, it's a show that. Well, it's not my number one, but it's probably my top three. Mad Men. That's probably like I mean the the classic drama I think of. Yeah, uh, I think I put it up there with the same as Breaking Bad yeah. and The Wire. I guess yeah. you haven't seen that. It's just it's such a level of prestige and yeah. and and uh, reverie that it's just like yeah. I mean, I probably don't need to explain. It. You, even if you haven't seen it, you're probably aware. But that it exists. I mean, in terms of I mean, in terms of writing and character, it's I mean, it's it's extremely well done. So that would be in my top three, but not quite my number one. Um, this was the show that I was like I didn't catch it until 2018 but uh, it was airing this decade Happy Endings I think I was sick or something there was some reason I just started watching it it was probably I was sick but I just took the whole first season in like a day and I was like I love this I just want more of this and there's only three seasons and it it was a shame when it was over but I was almost so ready to just like go back and rewatch all of it but I was like no you gotta cherish it so give it a couple years and go back to it and and re- and, re- and rewatch it, but I'm, it just it was, it's I mean it's this, it was the same vibe that I got. Which another show is on my list. If I had to take one of these off, I would take this one off and keep happy endings. But it was the same style of New Girl. Mm-hmm. New, it was just it was a, a sitcom, but it wasn't a traditional three camera sitcom. But that's all it was. It was just people living their lives in the world. Um, happy endings was New York based, I think. I think Ooh, Maybe I want to say yes, but it's been a while since I feel like it was northeast because there was snow, so it was definitely yeah. northeast. Could have been Chicago. Maybe? Oh, Chicago sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, and New Girl is L.A., so it's like yeah, New but LA, it's yeah. it's you know a group of friends living together or living their lives all in the same little bubble and just the wacky antics they get into. It's just there's something that I like about that. 
um, that clicked for me. But Happy Endings was it wasn't mean here. New Girl's New Girl was nice. Everything was yeah, happy. Yeah. Everything was bubbly. Happy Endings felt more realistic. It was more grounded for the most part. Like yeah. there were still some really absurd things that would happen, but it still felt realistic in that sense. Like they were all a little bit older. They were in their thirties yeah. or about to be thirty. The New Girl kids were late to mid or uh, mid 20s so they were fresh out of college so they were a little younger a little more naive but happy endings was about well what were are my age um so it's a little bit more relatable um but yeah two solid shows new girl and happy endings yeah yeah new girl made my long list happy endings is a show i liked but it didn't i, I didn't have it on my Ooh. list but it's a good show i liked it um so i will put these two together because they are big screwball comedies in different ways um, the first one is Comedy Central is the only appearance on my list, Nathan for You, hmm. which is <gasps> review. Did that make your list? It's on my long list, but it's yeah, and that is a really good show. That's okay. on my long yeah. Re- re- review is an excellent show, but I didn't like I didn't connect with it in a way that I thought it was like among the very very best of the year. Okay. But it's a good show. But anyway, Nathan for You, um, which comedian Nathan feel it's it's. A faux documentary? Like, basically, he... Nathan Fielder plays a character who went to a very good business school in Canada, <laughs> or, or where he got very good grades, or whatever the intro is. Um, and basically, the, the in each episode, he goes to a business, which... He's playing a character, but the show isn't quite fiction because, like, the businesses he goes to are real, and... And he really helps it's them. And he really... he Yes, he comes up with harebrained ideas to help improve their business and so the businesses i guess don't know like the businesses are led to believe that he's a real like they're not it's a straight yeah they're led to believe a straight up documentary from what i've read about it some people get the idea that it's some sort of candy camera type thing where some just go along with it and it's free marketing yeah exactly so because it was around that same time like kitchen nightmares kitchen confidence all of those shows were doing really well so they're, these businesses are probably seeing this as like free promotions. Like he's not going to do anything bad. They're, it's going to be good for the business, but they ultimately end up being kind of not sadistic, but he's making fun of sort of the corporate side of it. And like, I mean, you kind of have to do really absurd. I mean, there was the Starbucks was probably his yeah, biggest thing. Dumb Starbucks is dumb the Starbucks, most, most prominent thing, thing that he's it, done. Yeah. And it yeah. worked. I mean, it made the front of Reddit well before the episode ever existed. Yep. But yeah, that one. The other long running one is there was a jacket. Oh, the the Nazi. The, basically, yeah. They're 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 he they're they his marketing idea for them was to like remember the Holocaust or something mm-hmm. like that. So like all the sale, all you know, proceeds from all the sales, a portion went to. I'm I'm not sure exactly what, but basically some some fund that supports Holocaust remembrance, and yeah. you know, and they still to, to this day like the jackets they sell, like that's still marketing on their website, like remember yeah. the Holocaust, and for some a portion of profits still goes Which to, to me. That's no that's no less than something like the Salvation Army or like one of the. I mean, it's different because that's strictly donations, but at the same time, it's they're they're not necessarily giving that money to the quote unquote right people, whereas this they're giving money. Right to holocaust remembrance memorials things like that so it's no different marketing it's just 
it's just done in a satirical, funny way that it's like, oh, this isn't right. And it's like, well, he's not doing anything wrong. He's just doing it in an absurd way or he's doing something absurd, but he's still raising awareness. It's just, it's all in how you look at it. Kind yeah. of. Like, and that one sounds a little more serious. I mean, some of them are just yeah. super zany. Like one is like, the, 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 I think one of the first episodes is like a frozen yogurt shop. They do a poo flavored frozen yeah. yogurt. Which to is like not actual attention. poo. Yeah. It's literally just like a weird mishmash of different flavors, but they they just say it's poop poop flavored, and so people aren't hesitant to try it because they're like, "Well, I want to try it because I want to know what poo tastes like." But yeah, if it is actually poo, I don't want to taste poo. But yeah, what, yeah. And another one is like they get a rebate on gas, but to get the rebate, they have to like hike up through the, the mountains to like some <laughs> one location to like complete some like it's just like some are just like super zany like that. So it's yeah. like I mean it's but it, the writing I mean. The right, I keep on saying for all these, the writing is so good, but I mean, that's why they're my the favorite deliver, shows because it's, the delivery the, the, it's yeah, exactly. The yeah, the idea, just a really, a really smart show. I mean, Comedy Central, I feel like, is an underrated, like, you, you already talked about Broad City, but Boy shows like, re, yeah, shows like Review, which yeah. which made my long list not my top, but another great show. Um, yeah. Corporate, which is one of my top 10 shows of 2019. I, I it not I wouldn't say have deep enough or great enough to make like my decade list, but still a really mm. solid show, so. Um, yes. And another one is something that could have been my number one, but it's not. It's probably my number two, Veep on HBO. That's not your number no, one? No, I know. Gosh. So, well, to be like, I was surprised. Like, going this was like, well, Veep's going to be my number one. But I, I, I put I put thought into it to... Anyway, Veep on HBO, which, again, like Mad Men, probably doesn't need much introduction or explanation. Julia Louis-Dreyfus says, at the beginning of the series, Vice President Selena Meyer, and basically seven seasons of charting her political rise and fall and rise again um i mean it's just a straight up nihilist really really dark comedy i mean again dark comedy black comedy but extremely laugh heavy like i mean there's like i mean rooted in reality it's probably like outside like the the most madcap outside of 30 rock it's probably the closest to 30 rock in terms of zanius and like jokes per minute like ratio because like it just it's, I mean, and because it was HBO, it could go with the jokes. It could go even darker and harder and more profane and vulgar. Yeah. So, and it took advantage of it completely unapologetic. I mean, and that's to its credit, I, I wonder, you know, like going back, people who like watch Seinfeld, like the amount of f bombs Julia Louis Dreyfus drops on any one episode of Veep, it just like it would probably be drawing down. Is like she's I mean, the only one on Seinfeld that dropped an f bomb. Yeah. She did it two or three times in that entire oh, series. Really? Yeah, I mean, they obviously they yeah. bleeped it, but she she did say it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the, yes, the, the, I would have to say probably I actually prefer to third. Probably the best comedy of the decade is V for me. And then that leaves one more, but what do you got before I get to that? My last two um, are sort of on the same vein of like Parks and Rec, Party Rock, uh, Community. Um, I have a huge affinity for that show. Uh, it, it was sort of, it filled the gap of something like 30 Rock for me. Like, although it's not a behind the scenes show. Uh, it was very meta in terms of making fun of television and making fun of tropes of movies and TV, of just being very self-referential, very meta, uh, very smart, very well-written show, uh, terrific characters, and uh, just being s- to the point where it was so far up its own ass, I think it was a disservice to itself, where it just, this weird circle of, it was too self-aware that it got so aware of being self-aware that it became aware again. And it was just, it, it, it was this weird Ouroboros of it eating itself kind of thing. But, uh, I mean, I can't discredit 
everything that that show did in terms of all of those people's careers as well as uh, just the comedy that it that it brought and I mean I still think about a lot of that show in terms of storytelling and episodes that they did uh, and I, I I need to just go back and rewatch it because it's been a few years since I've done yeah. that so um, yeah I mean community I feel like it there's not much else needs to be said about that and lastly uh, and this is one that I could take off just because I'm a few seasons behind but uh, I've just sort of, sort of re- been been rewatching it again, and it's still it just has such a charm to it, and such an innocence to it that I can't can't not talk about it. But Bob's Burgers, just it's filling the niche that The Simpsons has not been able to fill, and nothing like Family Guy or American Dad. Like those are two mean shows. I love American Dad. I mean, that's probably one of my favorite shows of all time, um, which I te- technically could make on this list too, uh, because it's still running, but. Like, Family Guy and, and American Dad are mean shows. Like, Bob's Burgers just has this innocence to it, this, like, childlike wonder that it's just... It's not making fun of anyone. It's not being mean to anyone. It's just a show about a family that runs a burger restaurant. It's it's pretty simple. It's pretty wholesome for the most part. Um, and it's, it's, it's a good animated show that it's kind of rare to find that without it being, like, mean or subversive or, I don't know, just... I don't know, I don't want to make it sound like it's cutesy, clean cut, but it's just like, I mean, like, Aqua Teen, it's mean. It, Family Guy, it's mean. American Dad, it's mean. They're all just like mean shows. Yeah. Like Bert, Bob's Burger has a wholesomeness to it, like home movie style. It's just, it's a, it's a fun little quirky show. Man, that's, that makes, that's the end of my American list. <laughs> so, yeah, so my number one show is... The only limited series that is on my extended list, yeah. There, so it, it's it's uh, Pretty Little Liars. It's not Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> it, it's uh, it's no. So little, little big, little big. Liars. No, big little no, big little lies. <laughs> that show did not make even my long list either. Um, no. So I, I thought about a lot anyway. So my top show of the decade is American Crime Story: The Assassination of Johnny Versace. Really? Yeah. It's. Okay. I realize like that's a, like a like it didn't get the acclaim that even the OJ season did, so it's like I don't know, but I I think that like that series is the most that like I've ever felt seen like watching a TV show ever. Like not in that like I mean obviously it's a show about a serial killer who assassinated Johnny Versace, but like the dive it takes into just like looking at lgbt people in the 90s like it's like the just it it has such like a gay sensibility and like i don't mean it in like a campy way like it's not like because like i don't know like rupaul's drag race is like a quote unquote like very like you some might say like a very queer or very gay show when i was trying to think of like looking the representation that people think of what gay people are rupaul's drag race it's it's absolutely a positive show but I think if you ask Midwestern America what do they think a gay person looks like, they would probably point at someone on RuPaul and be like that. And like, right, but even apart from that, but like is. what makes it different is like I'd say I said like even though Ru- RuPaul's Drag Race, some might call it a very you know queer show or whatever. Like I would say it's a show that is for straight people. It's for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like the assassination of Johnny Versace, like it is unabashedly just like its mentality its writing it's approaching its audience like it's no holds barred like it's psychologically like it is just 
it has like a very strong gay sensibility like and if you look at the reviews like i was looking at the reviews and like because the the reviews were kind of like mixed but like a lot of the reviews were from basically straight critics who i mean which okay like a good show can be appreciated by anybody but like a lot of the criticism was just like oh you know like it it's it can be slow at times not interesting but just like it's the 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 way the characterization the level of writing it's like it's so known like the characters are so fleshed out and so real like going into it like before i watch it like i didn't watch it until months after it came out because it's like mm-hmm. i didn't really know much about johnny versace or andrew Kanan or really anything about any of this but i mean because the, basically the nature of the show is andrew Kanan was a serial killer who preyed on a lot of closeted people. He mm. preyed on a lot, all sorts of people. Like, so because of that, like it does this amazing dive into the culture, like that sort of time when it, it you know, it wasn't like earlier 50s, 60s or before that when it was extremely taboo, but we're also definitely in the pre equality push that there's been in the past decade like oh, yeah. you know it, it's, it was late 90s right yeah or early, early 90s i think early early mid 90s i think yeah that's right i mean just I, I guess i just just it most, happened in our lifetime yes it did, when we were yeah, yeah when we were very young yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But yeah so i mean it's a show that i mean i so like i i had on my looks and like as i was narrowing down the weekend i was like you know what actually like i don't know like i just like i i just have just strong feelings and strong reaction to it that it's one of the, I don't know, it just like, it, it just is so, it encapsulates a lot of stuff in a way that, I don't know, I haven't really seen any other show ever, ever, ever really achieve, so. Fair enough. I really thought Veep would take it. I, it was, going into it, what, what, before I was coming, I was like, well, Veep's probably might be my number one, and I was thinking about it, I was going back and forth, and I was like, oh, but, and again, right, because it's only one season, it was one season off of nine episodes, it's not, I mean, it was a limited series, so there's not going to be a, any other there's not gonna be a sequel or anything like that ever. Yeah. So I was thinking, about it, I was like, you know what? I, I I think what allowed me to do it is I had such strong reaction, and the last couple seasons of Veep weren't up to the quality of the first four seasons. So it was like, well, it didn't maintain that high line of quality throughout. So I mean, it's always hard when you're juggling shows that have run different seasons. Like how do you how do you weigh a one season limited series against a seven season or a five mm-hmm. season or eight season or whatever full run series. But when it came down to it, I was like, this feels I don't know, this was the show that I have the strongest look looking at I have the strongest reaction and memory about like appreciating its quality. So Fair enough. Good job. I don't have a number one. That'd be really I could, do you have an idea of what you would what you would call out as your top show if you mm. had to, if you like if it's too hard then no but I think Breaking Bad yeah um, that's the that's the standout I would I would I would put up there um, but I mean we're doing an entire podcast about Thirty Rock so that has to make in terms of of memorabilia or, or mem- of being memorable up there um, Parks and Rec could make it um, but. Uh, yeah, I think Breaking Bad takes it alone just for the path that it created in terms of that kind of storytelling, for better or worse, because, I mean, it probably is the reason a movie like Joker got made in terms of incels maybe liking it for the wrong reasons, um, which that's a whole other argument that I'm not ready to have. But uh, I just think like the, the importance of that show, uh, I think, will resonate for another decade just because 
I mean, it got a standalone movie off of it that I haven't watched yet. I'm sure it's fine, but um, I just it's it's the new wire, and I think that means something to some people. I haven't really seen much of the wire, so I it's not a. I've seen like I, I always get to the same spot of the wire. I get halfway through the first season, <laughs> and I'm just like, I want to I want to watch something else. Not that this is bad. It's just like I'm not in the mood for this. Right. I want to watch something yeah. that's a little bit more light. Uh, but Breaking Bad, I think the storytelling was just right enough that it always left you wanting more. So I was always wanting to come back for it. Um, so yeah, if I had to do a number one, it would be Breaking Bad. Hooray! Hooray! We did it. Uh, do we want to just post our other notables on this on the um, the landing page? Oh, we I can. can easily do that. Yeah, we can if you want. Do you want to talk we're about you're running? We're running a little long. Well, I mean, <laughs> yes, but but it is it is a one time thing that we get to talk about the end of a decade. So, um, do you want do you want to talk about any of your international shows? <sighs> there's a, there's a cute there's a couple that I could talk about. Um, I think one you've only only one of these you've ever seen. Yuri on Ice. Yuri on Ice made my list because again of its importance and it was a sports anime. It's not something I necessarily really care. I don't like sports, but it was. Uh, it was intriguing and, and it was a good story although a lot of people criticized it because you didn't actually see a kiss it was heavily implied uh. but you didn't actually see it so a lot of people were like rah rah they didn't show it it's sensibilities man it's Japan they're different from us it's okay it's not a big deal it is a big deal but it's not a big deal um, there's a, another sports anime called Haikyuu it's the volleyball anime oh. uh, really solid just fantastic action fantastic character development really good i have to say i love that it seems like there are lots of anime shows devoted to literally like here's a sports thing and here's we're following a season or something yeah. like people going play on the team yeah. or whatever and like, it's all on netflix and it's all yeah. dubbed now so if you want to watch it you don't have to read subtitles you can listen to it and, and get the full picture yeah. um but my standout anime of the last 10 years is a series called hunter hunter uh, it ran from 2011 to 2014. Um, it was a show that I'd always tried to watch because there was a there was an earlier version in the 90s that didn't get the full story adapted because, like a lot of anime, it's adapting source material. The source material was getting too close to the anime material, so they stopped the anime and the manga had to keep running. Uh, this was 20, almost, no... About 10 years after source material had had enough time that they could adapt basically up to where the source material had stopped. There's a long story why the source material stopped. It's technically not canceled, but the writer has a lot of back problems, so he can't exactly write it that much. He usually would do like one volume a year. But anyway, he hasn't done anything this last couple of years, and it's kind of heartbreaking because I just want the series finished. And it's I feel like it's close. It's 36 volumes. Hopefully we'll get 37. Um... But it's just, it's this fantastic adventure of this little boy trying to find his dad and uh, and going on all these adventures and going all through these challenges of him growing. Uh, he's, he's the main uh, protagonist, but there might be story arcs where he's not even featured. Uh, he may not always win, which is very rare in an anime. Usually the anime, the hero always wins no matter what. He has some random power up or something that will always cause them to win. He may not win. He has to lose. He has to grow from all of that. And it's 148 episodes, 146. We don't count the recaps. So it's a lot. It's three years of stuff. Um, but it's just a terrific adventure story, fantastical world. 
and it just has some of the best characters and the best stories of an anime slash manga that I've read in a really long time. Um, and if I had more time, I'd pull up. There's a quote that's in the last episode that has always resonated with me, but I don't have time to pull it up right now, and I don't have time to search for it. So, um, you, you want me to find it? I'll find it. If it's, I mean, it's up to you. All right, let me see if I can find it real quick. So, at the very end of the uh, the series, uh, he spoiler alert for a twenty year old series for a ten year old series now, uh, an anime. Uh, he does finally meet his father the entire time he's been searching for him and he's he you know he asks his dad like why did you leave like what were you doing and his dad just says like you should enjoy the little detours to the fullest because that's where you'll find the things most important of what you want and not, there's it's 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 corny it's a corny line but at the same time it's like yeah it's it's just it's the same thing as saying like enjoy the small stuff enjoy it's not the journey or it's not the destination it's the journey kind of thing like it's 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 all it's saying all of that but you know having just watched three years of this series and that's what they leave you on it's like man all right i feel like i feel like you accomplished like you you set out and you made a good series and you did a fantastic job with it so yeah watch hunter hunter read hunter hunter it's so good I love it so much. But I have a ton more anime that I could recommend. But do you want to talk about any of it? No, we're running really long and there's or there's a lot. But those are the three that I would okay. that I would uh that I would say seek out. But um I, I'm happy to always recommend more. <laughs> yeah, so those were our favorites from a changing I mean, this decade has seen a lot of change in terms of the number of providers available, the number of series, I mean, exponentially more than previous decades just because of the sheer amount of content mm-hmm. creators and providers, which is awesome. It'll yeah, be interesting absolutely. to see in the next decade if that continues or it stagnates. P- quote, so-called PTV finally hits its peak and actually starts to decline, which... it's It's got to crash at some point. It's just... Winning. Maybe, but I it's, mean, you know... It's inevitable. Every, every big... Every big media conglomerate is throwing out their streaming service. So unless we lose a Peacock be the or an HBO Max or a Netflix or a CBS All Access, I mean, they can all continue to stay alive and continue. To, I mean, they all have multi-billion-dollar corporations behind them. So I mean, maybe maybe, maybe some will shutter. Maybe some will yeah. reduce output, or they'll be bundled into you know the yeah. thing where you subscribe and you get Peacock, Netflix, and HBO Max all in one. Who knows? Yeah, I'm sure. I you know if if well, we're if we're around and recording something ten years from now, I'm sure we'll have <laughs> Wait, lots we'll of things to look back on this and be like, like, "Wow, we were so naive." Remember, when we thought Breaking Bad was the best TV of all time. How wrong were we? Yeah, no, I mean it'll be interesting what the next ten years holds for TV. I think, like you said, the last ten years has uh, it's brought like just some of the best television uh, that we we have, and the sheer volume that we have, like. It's no longer just cable to get your television. It's it's there's five six streaming services. Disney Plus. There's more than six. I'm 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 turning big. Like oh I mean, yeah, just, major ones. Sure. Yeah. yeah, there's Disney Plus launched at the end of this year and is already Apple, doing really Apple great Plus. numbers. I don't hear anyone talking about Apple no. Plus, so that's not a good sign. But it's still it doesn't have the legacy that Disney has, so it yeah. makes sense that they're not going to be like peak perfection from the go. Um, but yeah, just TV's TV's in a really good spot right now, and there's a ton of stuff to discover, almost too much stuff to discover. So um, I think I speak for both of us when I say like I I want I just hope people find everything that they like and that they 
I think going outside your comfort zone can actually also help. Because, I mean, I wouldn't have watched something like uh, Happy Endings because I remember watching previews for it. I was like, oh, my God, this looks insufferable. Same with yeah. Comeback. This looks insufferable. And now I'm kicking myself for not watching these shows earlier and potentially giving them longer life as a result. Um, so I think, like, there's there's a matter of of going outside your comfort zone, discovering something you wouldn't ordinarily watch, and you might not necessarily like it from the get-go, or you might not like that show, but you might like an actor or actress in it, and you might discover them in something else and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think that's my takeaway from all of this is TV's changed a lot. Uh, it's not TV in the traditional sense, and it hasn't been for a really long time. And there's just a lot of really great things out there. So I hope you find something you like. I guess. I don't know. My big question is, in 10 years, will my next list of the decade have anything from a traditional network on it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I think mine was about half and half network and half and half uh, internet. But Well, I mean, when, when I say network, I mean straight up like NBC, ABC. Because like I had, obviously, 30 Rock. I had Parks a few... A couple NBC shows, yeah, Parks and Rec, Good Place, Superstore, like, yeah. a couple Fox, Last Man on Earth, New Girl, yeah. and actually, well, even Modern Family on ABC. I put that more for the first couple seasons when it Ooh, was... I didn't even think about How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother would make, I wouldn't, yeah, I, I know you didn't have one, but I'm saying that yeah. that just popped in my head, like, How I Met Your Mother could have made it, but... That, did that run that far into this decade? It was nine seasons, so it had to have run into this yeah. decade. It wouldn't have started, I feel like that's 2006, true. right? That's true, because, yeah, because I really started, that's yeah, true, I, I really caught up with it around 2009, 2010. It was, it was ending when we started dating, yeah. so that was 2014. But I, but, like, the last few seasons, like, I had given up on it, so yeah, most of what I liked about it would have been in the last decade. Yeah, all right, fair enough. All right, so... Uh, any other final parting words or see you next decade <laughs> see you next decade nerds <laughs>